watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop has it with the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Ruby run. 15-10. Hit, 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 hit it in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97 points. 100.1 ESPN Radio. Yes. 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 The peeps are already here, saying ahoy hoy, saying good afternoon, hello show bro Mike, hello Kev from Liverpool, hello the friends that uh, know to sharply and promptly be here at 4 o'clock when this little operation begins, and uh, we're going to be here till 6, and then you know what, I'm not going anywhere. Oh no, you can't take me out of here. Wild horses couldn't drag me away from doing Syracuse basketball pregame, presented by Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota at 6 o'clock. We'll tell you everything you need to know about Syracuse and Florida State before it tips at 7 o'clock. So you got three hours of the Axeman today. I mean, what more could you want? I'll tell you what more you could want. It is a freaking gorgeous day in central New York. I think we needed this. I think we all needed a nice sunny day. It's 46 degrees after the frigid, cold, dark, gray, minus 5 degree weather. We recently had, uh, these days, just, man, they charge it back up. You want to bottle them and go to them when you need them, right? So get out. Enjoy the day. Hope you are enjoying it wherever you're listening or watching today, and we're glad you're a part of it. And that way you can make yourself a part of it in taking the next step and getting your voice heard today at 437-7644 in the chat at QSportsTalk.com, or you can hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media as well. We have a jam-packed Wednesday show getting you over the hump today. Our friend John Jastrzemski will join us later, and uh, certainly we would focus on New York-related sports with the host of the New York, New York podcast. J.J. also gets into the world of gambling and some other things, and that would put J.J. somewhere. Now, we got ourselves a nice sunny day here in central New York, and it's 46 degrees. I would bet the weather's a little better in Scottsdale where J.J. is at Super Bowl 57. I'm sure J.J.'s got some thoughts on all the Jim Beheim discussion that's been going on lately. And, uh, look, anytime we get the great fortune to bring on the one and only John Jastrzemski, we're going to do it. So we're going to do that later in the show about 525. LeBron James sets the NBA scoring mark. And what we are going to do on this show today is we are going to ask a question that no one is willing to ask. 
we are going to settle something that I cannot believe we are at the point. It is February 8th, 2023. We're marking a significant point in history. And no one has taken the time to really examine whether LeBron James or Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. How in the world has this not happened yet? We will take it upon ourselves to settle this debate that has somehow hung out in some mysterious land before I thought of it today. Now, we'll certainly address the LeBron James stuff and have some fun with that in hot takes. Got a few SU football things to get into today, including now seeing what Tony White makes at Nebraska. What does that say about what he could have made and what the Syracuse football coaching staff situation is at? Dino Babers appeared on the ACC Network yesterday and a few interesting things to say. Shout out to Jordan for catching that, cutting up those clips, and I think he had some interesting things to note there, which we will get into. Uh, there is an expression that I have seen a time or two in relation to all this Jim Beheim discussion we've had this week that is driving me up the wall to the point where I'm going to address the expression and some people that have said it specifically, but it's the it's the expression that's just driving me batty. I think if this is your take, if this is your reason, then you got to think bigger. Right, So we will get to that. The blind side awaits us later in the program. But if it's game day, you know what it's time to do, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to wake up the voice man and give you some keys to victory. Number one. Balance in the force. As Syracuse takes on Florida State tonight. Here's what I mean by that. Florida State features a balanced attack offensively. They have a three-guard lineup. They can get it inside. I think this is a distinct advantage for Syracuse in this game, honestly, if they can make Florida State go in the paint. But they've got Matthew Cleveland, who is right behind Smith at NC State as one of the most consistent big-time scorers in the league. Darren Green, who just shoots from three-point range like there's no tomorrow. A talented scorer and a player that you certainly know in Caleb Mills. Capable shooters, but they can also work the ball inside and out. So Syracuse has to be careful not to put their attention on one thing or the other. If they are able to shut down green or shut down the inside pain and even a rotation of players coming at Jesse Edwards, if you're able to do that, great. But you have to maintain balance. Your defense is going to be stretched a little bit here. Florida State is a team really struggling this year for a reason. They've been a little better as of late. They seem to have found themselves a little bit better. It's the ACC. Anything can happen on any given day. They're healthier than they have been. All those things you have to be put into consideration. But what Syracuse has to be careful of tonight, especially careful of tonight, is don't get caught focusing on one thing or the other. Balance is key in this game tonight. Number two. Size matters. I'm really intrigued how this is going to go tonight because what Florida State does is their defense in the paint will feature three different players. Now, Leonard Hamilton loves to rotate guys, right? That's something he's always done. He hasn't had the ability to do that maybe as much as usual, 
because of some injuries this year. But Florida State is a three-player rotation at center. 6'10", 7'4", Six eleven. So Jesse faces off with Quentin Post the other night against Boston College, and uh, the Battle of the Netherlands clearly went to Jesse there. But see, when I hear three man rotation, what I get nervous about is foul trouble. What I get nervous about is adjusting to different styles and throwing waves at Jesse. And just you get the Teddy TVs in 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 the house tonight. You get the right crew, or in some cases, the wrong crew in that situation, and things can get a little dicey, right? But on the other end, if Syracuse can force Florida State to work in the paint with that rotation, with that three-guard lineup, that's a battle they win. I'll take Jesse Edwards and Malik Brown over Florida State trying to figure out what's going on here inside the three-point line in the paint. Syracuse has a distinct advantage there. So size matters. They have the better players in the paint. you got to avoid the foul trouble. Just avoid stupid stuff because Florida State comes at you with some different guys. And try and make them work in the paint. Number three. Don't let Green be a machine. Green for Florida State has taken 177 three-point shots. That's a mere 101 more than the next closest member of the Florida State Seminoles, which is Caleb Mills. So we all know how this goes when you play Syracuse. Just listen to some of these numbers. Third in the ACC in three-point percentage of 40%. He's second in three-pointers made per game at three per game. So he's going to bank three just by average. He has taken 180 shots from three-point range this year. Just to put that in perspective, Chris Bell is second on the SU roster in three-pointers taken and made. He's 32 for 86. Green loves to shoot it. Caleb Mills is next, 25 of 76 from outside the three-point line. So it kind of reminds me, of a couple of players that Syracuse has faced as of late, that it's just volume shooting, but maybe they weren't hitting the percentages they need to. But you don't want them for this to be the game where they find that rhythm. Taking a lot of threes doesn't mean you're making a lot of threes, but don't let this guy get into rhythm. So it's a case of you cannot let green out of your sight. We talked about the balance that will be important for Syracuse because I think they have an advantage in the paint in this game, despite the size that Florida State throws at Syracuse, I think they have the advantage there in this game. But if you let him drift too much and get into a rhythm too much, he's going to get into a rhythm, and now all of a sudden you got a problem. Because the question still looms whether Syracuse can go toe-to-toe with teams at the three-point line. That's still iffy. If Joe's off his game, if Chris Bell's off his game, now you're just patchworking Justin Taylor helping you a little bit here and there and what just whatever else you can get from the three-point line. So don't let Green be a machine. Got to stay on him and at least make him earn it. Number four. And number four is this. Joe's magic number. Ten. I think getting Joe Girard ten points is a reasonable ask. 
considering what he's averaging this year, considering the type of player he is, considering that, look, as much as Jesse is important, and we saw in that Boston College game, when Jesse is active, open, scoring, consistent, out of foul trouble, he can drop in 27 points. Now, that was the second best performance by a Syracuse center since Rakeem Christmas, once upon a time, had 35 points. Okay, so I'm not saying Jesse's got to come out and do that again tonight. Jesse is averaging 14 points, 10 rebounds, leads the ACC in blocks with just under three per game. He's doing what he's got to do, hence the advantage that I think Syracuse has in the paint here. Joe's game against Boston College I think was interesting because you look and you say 18 points and you're like, I'll take it. When you mine a little bit more, Half of that came at the free throw line. Good on Joe to get to the free throw line and to go nine of nine at the free throw line because you know the rest. Hashtag free throws matter. That's great. That was a weird game in that sense. Syracuse outscored Boston College at the free throw line 21 to three. I can guarantee you Florida State will go to the free throw line more than that in this game. I can guarantee you the foul count will be more even. I can guarantee you that. Now, if you're Gerard, who's shown a little bit more willingness to get in the paint, to not just live outside on the three-point line, and he's challenged some teams and won that. I think that 18 points, it's 18, and you'll take it any day of the week, was hidden by some things that happened in that Boston College game, namely the breakout game that Jesse Edwards had and some things that Boston College did not do in that game, like get to the free throw line themselves. I think Florida State gets to the free throw line more than that, and I think you're going to need Joe back doing Joe things, traditional Joe Girard things, because the past couple of games, we haven't seen that. It's been a little bit of a dip there. Now, 18 points feels good, feels like it's back. We talked to him about it yesterday. If you missed that, you can check it out in the audio vault at ESPNSyracuse.com. But I feel like you need a typical Joe Girard six or seven three-point night. Maybe, you know, that might be too much. Maybe just four or five, add in a few more buckets, better shooting percentage. And look, if you get to the free throw line, I'm not complaining about that. If, they're, if you're going to be sent there, take advantage of it. He's a terrific free throw shooter and get half your points that way just by – Free trips to the charity stripe. That's terrific. But the magic number's key because if you're Florida State, what are you willing to give up? Of the two, right, between Jesse Edwards and Joe Girard, who's the one you take out? Because it's harder to take out Jesse in some ways. Now, we mentioned Florida State's got a few different guys. They'll do it. That seems like a better plan. But Jesse's just better than those guys. And Jesse, we gave you the numbers, and when he's on his game like that, he is he is tough to stop. Now, if you throw a monkey wrench in the equation and Jesse gets into foul trouble, it puts more pressure on Joe to lead the way. Now, I have not mentioned Judah Mintz's name here, and the way that Judah has been scoring, bouncing back, that Boston College game, he's put on the bench due to a defensive mistake. He comes back and was the final piece to the puzzle. I'm to the point where I'm banking on that. But see, 
if Judah has one of those games, remember we talked about the guards that Florida State has here. There's a little bit more uh, traffic in that backcourt. If this turns into one of those games that Judah's off, I think there's a lot of pressure one way or the other on Joe in this game to establish himself, get into a rhythm, don't wait around, make them react to you. I feel like if Syracuse wins tomorrow, we're talking about a win tomorrow, I should say, Joe had a typical Joe game, in rhythm, feeling it, good percentage shots, getting in the paint, maybe drawing some fouls, as we mentioned, but I feel like that's important tonight. I just feel like the way Florida State's going to approach Jesse, counting on Judah Mintz, and he's been great, but counting on him to have 18 or 20 or 22 and that balance you need offensively. If a Malik Brown wants to step up and have a bigger game, if Benny Williams wants to surprise us and have a, a bigger game, if Chris Bell wants to surprise us and have a significant, meaty 12-5 and five in the box score, then uh, more power to him. But I feel like the options are pretty limited for Syracuse. When, they, uh, when Gerard doesn't score 10 points, that's the magic number. It doesn't sound like much. But when he's off his game or is being keyed on defensively, is being bodied up, if he doesn't get to 10 points, Syracuse is 1-5. So while it feels like Jesse's the engine, and it feels like Judah has entered the equation as a guy that if he's not on his game, then Syracuse is going to be off as well. Syracuse goes as Joe goes. The, the most direct correlation between wins and losses when you add up the numbers is if Gerard is doing Gerard things. So just get him to the magic number and go from there. We know that Joe is a lot better when he's feeling it in the first half, and then teams make adjustments and it opens things up for the offense in the second half as opposed to the other way. You do those four things in this game, you will be Florida State. Balance in the force. Size matters. Don't let green be a machine and hit Joe's magic number. You're going to come back home with a win over Florida State. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, and the live chat is flowing at QSportsTalk.com. So we certainly will continue that discussion. We've got some more basketball thoughts through the afternoon and the evening, including at 6 o'clock. I'll stick around to a little Syracuse basketball pregame for you tonight and looking forward to that and all the other things we will discuss today. Looking forward to seeing how the markets did Day, everybody in a good mood after LeBron James sets the all-time NBA scoring record. Let's find out from our friend Lee Baldwin, who's here to tell us about that. Lee, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Brent. Let's focus on LeBron today because the market was down, but uh, we've had a pretty good run so far. But right. stocks finished uh, lower. Uh, tech stocks were down. NASDAQ fell about 1.6%. But our diamond tonight goes to Disney. They just reported earnings a few minutes ago. It's trading higher. And, uh, and after a tough 2022, the, the stock's up 28% this year alone. So what, 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 what did Disney pull in last uh, quarter there, Lee? Like, uh, I don't know, uh, five. Six hundred dollars, something like that. What was what was the name? <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll go with that. Oh, billion, uh, billion. Oh, and I, I forgot a word in there. Something along those lines. Yeah, things, yeah. Right? Yes. You've got the big B, capital big B. B. So, um, let's see. Dog is Google uh, down eight percent. That's probably bees with a billion's worth of Google stock. They have a new AI chatbot that struggled during a demonstration. So. 
Um, you have to look up what a chatbot is. So I, I know what a chatbot is. It's going to take my job someday, but maybe just not <laughs> Same this, <here. laughs> this day because it's not working right. Okay, good. Good to hear on that front. All right. So we, yeah, That's a curve. <laughs> job security for us, Prince. For another day. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated <laughs> All right. as always. Have a good one. There he goes. Lee Baldwin, folks. Where you, the man's name is on the door. It's his name on the website because it's his joint. And you go in, you say, I wish to speak to the owner. And he will do that, and he will guide you through the best financial advice to ensure you have all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio is Lee, Bill, and Mike, and the great crew that comes on to tell us about that on a daily basis in the ebb and flow of the markets. Learn more at LeeBaldwin.com. We will break and come back. Certainly basketball on the table with Florida State looming tonight at 7 o'clock. There are a few football things to get into, including... What I thought was the most interesting thing Dino Baber said about the state of the transfer portal and how that relates to what you would think is a good problem for him to have, but it's really not. We'll talk about it next. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Hey now, welcome back. Welcome aboard, if uh, that describes you. Hi, my name's Brent. We talk sports. Great to have you here. Uh, Game night, Syracuse and Florida State is something we'll get back to shortly. Our friend John Dostremski will join us from Super Bowl 57 and from what I understand it, the illustrious Radio Row. Coming up later this hour, we'll go on the blind side. A reminder, uh, programming-wise, uh, you can't get rid of me that easily. I'm going to stick around and do Syracuse basketball pregame presented by Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota coming up at 6 o'clock after the game. Get right back here on your radio and on QSportsTalk.com. As Brian Higgins and uh, what does this say here? Paul Sebelia. Just call Brian. Just hey, other guy. Shut your yapper. I want to talk to Higgins on post game tonight, both on the radio and QSportsTalk.com after the Orange take on the Seminoles. Now, I want you to come with me on this journey for the next few minutes here, thinking very generically and broadly. There are some topics that we do on this radio show that are very micro, and there are some topics that we do on this show that are very macro. This is as macro as it gets. This is as zoom out as far as you can think on a particular subject, and let's deal with this generally, okay? I'm not calling for any specific actions here. I'm not saying that Jim Beheim should retire or be fired here. I'm just thinking broadly and in scope here, given the nature of the discussions that have taken place this week around Jim Beheim and the continuing discussion around Jim Beheim and, and what I think is getting lost in the mix. And it shouldn't be. At the heart of it, do you root for a person or do you root for a program are you a fan of syracuse university basketball or are you a fan of jim Beheim? and i understand the easy answer to that question is both 
But if you had to pick one or the other, which one is it? Jim Beheim, in this specific case, but you can relate it to other people, Joel Paterno at Penn State or Bobby Bowden at Florida State or Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. Somebody's been around long enough for generations, and that's all people know. Sometimes they can't see past the end of their own nose on certain things, right? Paul Pasqualoni when he was here at Syracuse. Uh, I've just Other examples are going to pop in my head. So, again, thinking just generally and broadly here. If I hear one more person say, and now that I say this, I'm going to get emails and Paul and Jordan and everybody's going to say this, but I'm, I'm going to state it anyway. If I hear one more person say in some way, shape, or form, be careful what you wish for, I'm going to go out of my mind for this reason. Syracuse University basketball has the infrastructure to be great, to be bigger than it is currently, or at the very least get back to what it was consistently. I understand how important coaches in sports. I have talked about that a number of times in a number of sports. I completely understand that. Both, and I got to be careful here because uh, last time I disagreed with Paul and Steve, it got a little juicy and it got a little personal. And I don't want that to happen again. But I do disagree with somewhat of what they were saying. I saw Chris Joseph and Eric Devendorf talk about this. You just uh, brought it up here on, on the screen here. I don't believe we could play this clip on the radio because there were some naughty words in there. But that's exactly what this says. Be careful what you wish for. And it just drives me batty. It really does. Because look at the infrastructure of what you have here. You have one of the best facilities to play for and play in in all of college basketball that provides one of the best environments that you can play in when there's 35,000 people there at its peak. You have one of the best practice facilities in the country. You are in the ACC. You can, now Syracuse for years has gotten away with paying Jim Beheim what they pay him because he makes up for it in other ways and they have not had to pay their head coach at the rate that a number of schools had. I mean, what does Bayheim rank every year when they put out those those coaching salary lists? It's like, he's like in the 30s. He's been a bargain. So they would have to up the money there, but I'm pretty confident they could do this. If you did make a change, and again, I'm speaking hypothetically here, and did a broad search beyond the end of your own nose, instead of just elevating an assistant coach or maintaining uh, status quo, there are a lot of great coaches out there that could come in and, if you want to put it this way, make Syracuse basketball great again. Syracuse basketball great. Syracuse absolutely can be on the level of any program out there. Name it, they can do it. Because of the, the specific thing I said a few minutes ago, they have the infrastructure to do it. It's different when we have the football conversation. Because I wrote this column last year because I have to tell you what I truly believe. And I'm not going to give you a pipe dream here. The column that I wrote about Syracuse football at the end of the season was, this is as good as it gets. Maybe once a decade or so, they can elevate beyond what this football program did this year. 
seven wins bowl game. Syracuse basketball can be much better than that, and it's different sports. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison or oranges-to-oranges, if you will, at Syracuse. But Syracuse has the infrastructure to compete with anybody. Now, for a long time, the coach was what was the difference, and everything was built around the coach. And everything that Syracuse basketball has, Jim Beheim made it happen. There's no doubting that, right? But I guess people have a natural inclination to fear change, to fear vision, to fear something, maybe because it's even failed again. I've gotten the emails from people. People have told me, where didn't you want Pasqualoni fired? Look what happened there. There is a very distinct difference in that. I think there is an element to be careful what you wish for here, but am I the only one that's looking at this like, guys, it's going to happen someday. And by the way, a prediction that I made a number of times here on the radio and other places is coming to fruition before our very eyes right now. And their prediction was this. Watch Syracuse struggle for a couple of years and watch people flee the bandwagon. We were so spoiled for so long, and again, it's a testament to Beheim's success, that the minute they started to show a little bit of adversity, a losing season, a couple years in a row without the tournament, middle of the pack, and I said all this when they went to the ACC with the possibility of, boy, they were great in the Big East, but what if they can't compete in this league? What if... I remember distinctly making the comparison to football. What if it turns into football that instead of every year being at the top of the league, you're there once in a while? Now, a lot of that stemmed from having a different coach because we were supposed to have a different coach by now with Mike Hopkins, right? And that that loyalty would not last as long with Hopkins. But for some people it would because of a, a complete and utter change. I think there's something to be said in a conversation to be had about when this happens, if it's the end of this year or whenever the hell it is, that Jerry McNamara should take over as head coach, that Red Autry should take over as head coach. You can have that conversation, right? I don't think there's enough of a sample space to say that John Shire didn't work out at Duke, that Hubert Davis didn't work out at Carolina. They both had to make adjustments. But there is not enough of a sample space to say they failed at that. You know, UConn had to move on from Jim Calhoun, and UConn is a still a terrific program. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but the infrastructure, the reputation, everything was in place. They just needed what? The coach. UConn women's basketball is the same thing here at Syracuse. Gino Ariema is the heart of that. Everything else was built around that. Now the infrastructure is in place that someone could replace Gino. They're a great coach, and not only maintain it, but maybe improve on it. That would be hard to improve on because UConn's an all-timer in that sense. That would probably be be careful what you wish for. But we talk about these issues as if like they cloned Beheim and he will coach here for the next 20 years. Like He is a unicorn and so unique in what he has done for so long. But the, the fact that people can't look at all things considered and even consider the possibility of somebody else coaching here is I just can't comprehend that thought. But again, I didn't want to make this about him. 
I am tired of be careful what you wish for, fearing change, fearing something different. The comfort level that people sit in when it comes to, we're having the conversation about basketball, but you can relate this to a lot of things in life. Be careful what you wish for, as if the possibility of this thing getting better, the program you root for, not the person, the program, can't take the infrastructure that's in place, mostly thanks to Bayheim. Nobody's dissing that. See, people get all worked up about this. Hey, don't you show that man respect? Jim Bayheim's ring has been kissed for 47 years. That respect has been shown. The man's in the Hall of Fame. The court is named after him. He's a legend and will be forever. That story is just burned into people's brains forever. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm just stepping outside myself a little bit here and saying when the day comes, the infrastructure is absolutely in place for this to be great. It's not be careful what you wish for. It's what can we wish for? It's what can it be? And I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe that the infrastructure, I keep using this word, the infrastructure wasn't in place for it to do that. Because I looked at football and said, it's not there. They cannot do this consistently. I Not only when Pasqualoni was fired, but at the end of this past year, right? It's a struggle. Generally, what we saw last year is as good as it's going to get. Occasionally, you get a 10-win year once a decade. Occasionally, you get a pop and something happens. But that was my genuine opinion on that, based on the same conversation we're having here. The infrastructure in place, the money that's out there, what you can pay recruits, NIL, everything, versus what Alabama, Texas A&M, and the list goes on. Syracuse is right in that discussion. By the way, I didn't even mention that they have a booster and Weitzman that can keep up with the Joneses at a lot of schools, a ton of schools. Name me one. Kentucky, yep. Duke, yep. Name any of them. The infrastructure's there. It's there. Why don't people see that more? Is the only question I want to ask here in this whole discussion. Not making this about Bayheim specifically, though that's been well documented about, you know, what we're talking about here in terms of whether he should come back and saying that, you know, it's my decision and just people that I'm amazed would rather talk about loyalty and respect and and so many other things as opposed to, well, hold on a second here. When that day comes and that day's coming, like it's not going to fall in on itself when Bayheim walks out if you do it right. It's not a complete and utter rebuild. It's not, you know, just chaos here. Like, if you do it right and you think about it and you plot it out, like it can get better. It can. Or at the very least, it can get back to the consistency we saw for years. I mean, Jim Beheim didn't have a losing season for 47 years until 46 years until last year. That is incredible. That is incredible. And you can't say you can match that. So be careful what you wish for. Like that just grates at me the wrong way. How about, think about what we can be. How about, be careful what you wish for. What can we wish for? That's what I'd rather think about. Let me get a couple calls in here, and then we'll take a break. Our friend JJ is set to join us in just a few minutes here. Uh, Skippy. There's a name. 
Skippy's ice cream and DeWitt. I would like a bomb pop. Skippy, just messing with you. How are you, man? I'm well. I'm doing well today, Brent. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for holding on there. What do you think? I ain't no problem. So, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, there's, I think a part of the change thing for Beheim is the guy has earned the right to go out on his own terms after, you know, the amount of time he's been successful here. And so if he puts his foot in his mouth during a press conference or he fails to close out a game, his players do, or he loses a recruit to intern at a shoe company for a year before he goes to the NBA, that's not really on him. You know, he's, he's earned that right. Now, if he gets into the tournament, takes the team to a Final Four again like they did a, few t- a couple times in the past you know, few years, this conversation is completely different. People remember that. They think about that. Um, we got to think about this area. We're a city of 125,000 people. The metro area is maybe a million. Um, I think it's interesting to compare what we have here to Gonzaga. Spokane, Washington is about the same size. A very small school, much different institution. But, you know, if Mark Few walks away from that program, are, are they going anywhere? Probably not. You know what I mean? So, Beheim has earned the right to go on his own terms. The media in general, and I don't mean just sports media, but sports media has got wrapped into it, have been taking people out of the public when they want to affect change on an institution. And you see this again and again. So, I kind of wince when I see the media or this fever pitch start to kind of come up over a couple, you know, poorly worded um, answers at, at pressers and stuff, and maybe saying some slightly inappropriate things I mean, or can, whatever. Skip, but, you can feel yeah. that way, but I just... No, I do. I, know, I think, I think it's fair do, to you know. zoom out and say, has he earned that autonomy no matter what? Because the right. missteps so, keep happening. That's why... Right. And look, look, we all know that that picks up. It's just the nature of the beast when the program is down. Right, if they were like you said, if they were in the tournament and winning thirty games, and it's it's the high times, people just look the other way as they did for a number of years, right? right. So, yeah, but it's just that continue. It, it's it's the uh, it's the statements like you know I you know I get to do what I want, and those moments well, that people are tolerating less these days. When you say <laughs> he's earned the right, it's not the Jim Beheim family business. It's Syracuse University basketball, right? So when you give somebody that much autonomy, to be fair about it, of course they're gonna the answer is always gonna be yes. Right? So I think it's fair to ask the question and thank you for the thought, Skippy. Like are you doing this for you or are you doing this for the program? Because what are we talking about here, right? Uh let's get Greg in here quick and then we'll take a break. Greg, go ahead. Hi. Um I think you're exactly right. Uh, You know, people are so impatient. Look at how old the guy is. He's not going to be around for more than a couple more years. But he's not going to do one of these things like Krzyzewski where he's going to announce it and then go on a a Kiss My Ass tour for a whole year. (laughs) I agree with that. He's not that type of guy. I agree with that. I believe he's even said that. I believe he's been on the record saying that's not going to be what I do. And uh, I'm glad to hear that, Greg, because... I mean, let's let, walk away, then we'll celebrate you. The whole let's celebrate you for a year thing, that's just awkward. It's just weird. Yeah. I, just, I, don't, I don't understand well, that, but that's just me. I've, I've done fundraisers with him before. I've golfed with him before and everything. 
he does come across at the uh, press conferences and so on, confrontational, and and it bothers me too. But you know, he he is getting older, and uh, I guess you got to take the good with the bad. But overall. I'm lucky to be a Syracuse fan because I love the type of ball they play, and I'm very successful. And just one more point. Most of the people that I hear bitching about it haven't been to the Dome in 40 years. And I have. I've been. I was at the last game at Manly Fieldhouse, and I've been a uh, season ticket holder since for football, basketball, and lacrosse. These people that are bitching haven't ever been to the dome and well, have never paid for a ticket. I mean, Greg, that, that's how do we know that? How, how do we know that's a majority of people? Remember, Syracuse fans, especially because we're talking about this conversation extending to social media, the internet, and other places. Syracuse fans are everywhere, right? And I will never hold anybody hostage that they have to attend a certain number of games to be a passionate fan. People have lives. People have limited budgets. People have very valid reasons why they can't go to games as much as you do or anybody does. And good for you for doing that and making that a priority. But that's you. I will never judge. And Jim Beheim says this all the time. I mean, basically, he brushes aside anybody that's not a season ticket holder. That is not fair. And that is not a validation of, of sorts to have an opinion on the matter. So I'll just disagree with that, but I get what you're saying in another way. And I'm running late here, so I got a break and we got to get our friend JJ on. But we'll come back. Stay right there.